Welcome one and all as we close out another week here at the Damage Report. I am John Derola. He is Brett Ehrlich. And Brett, if we had somehow like mics active before the show, it would have been spicy mics. It would have been we the spiciest mic. Mm -hmm. It's fine. It's one of those things I can't tell if I'm doing my job poorly or John has not paid a lick of attention <laughs> since he started working mm -hmm. at TYT to what other shows do. And it's possible I'm not doing my job well. I don't, anyway. I mean, it's improbable. Brett but it's has possible. the level. Everyone needs to know that Brett likes to troll people. And like, I don't think he's always aware that that is what he is doing. John, John is essentially pretending to me that Edwin has never done this. That I look, this is not only beyond the bounds of our or live this. show. I just wanted to make a fun reference to the fact that we were bickering with each other. That is what you are saying has nothing to do with the conversation we were having. And how dare you use Edwin against me? Anyway, everybody, thank you for joining us. Uh, if this is the first episode that you have tuned into, you're gone by now. <laughs> but the rest of you, thank you for being here. This is a show where every day we bicker with each other for every, an hour. Everyone knows uh, that it's uh, that that it, John and I have the kind of relationship where when we were arguing. I at the end felt I could end it by saying yes, dear, <laughs> and that which I said like five times, and I'm sure it didn't did piss them off at all. He did it knowing that it would get my go, <laughs> and it did. It did. So anyway, we're gonna argue about other stuff. We have a full rundown, but I think we're just gonna talk. I'm just gonna like ad hoc. We're gonna talk about like um, Israel Gaza. <laughs> We can argue more. Anyway, we got a lot of really interesting stuff to talk about, and I don't want to waste any more time than I than I already have. So hit the like button if you haven't already, and you're on a platform where that makes any sense, because we got a lot to discuss. Starting with this, the fact that the first GOP primary is just a week away. So let's get an idea of where the candidates stand. I'm not. I'm not a candidate. This is my kids would say. That's my jam. First up, we've got some shots fired by Donald Trump. Record numbers streaming across our border, costing taxpayers billions, and almost as many Americans killed from fentanyl as killed in World War II. Yet Haley and Biden oppose Trump's border wall, confirm warnings of terrorists sneaking in through our southern border. Yet Haley joined Biden in opposing Trump's visitor ban from terrorist nations. Haley's weakness puts us in grave danger. Trump's strength. Texas. I'm Donald J. Trump and I approve this message. So how do you know that Donald Trump is getting a little bit worried about Nikki Haley when he says that she's on board with importing terrorists and poison and basically lumps her in with the Democrats as being like fundamentally, I guess, in favor of replacement strategy. Anyway, he should be a little bit worried. A new poll came out in New Hampshire and things are even tighter than they were a few weeks ago. According to the American Research Group, Nikki Haley is just four points behind Trump in New Hampshire. And look, we, we wanna be fair, this is not being duplicated by massive increases in her polling in a bunch of other states. As of right now, it mostly seems to be a thing that is limited to New Hampshire. But the idea, I guess, is if she were able to narrowly beat him, then maybe you have a turning of the tide. It seems like a massive long shot, but that is a that's a pretty underhanded set of attacks against her. Brett, what do you think? Um, so the most amazing, hilarious thing about not just American politics, but most politics in general, 
is what it takes to turn public opinion. Uh-huh. What seems like the easiest, peasiest thing, uh, the smallest, tiniest little fluctuation in uh, aberration from expectation can turn into you know a giant change of heart for millions of Americans. It is it is essentially like when you watch two bears fight and you're like, I don't know, they seem to fight fine, but one backs away. All the other bears are like that, the other one, the other one's our leader. It might happen as a result of New Hampshire. Um, Nikki Haley's more likely result is to essentially disqualify all other people that are challenging Donald Trump. And then the next question becomes a similar question that happened after South Carolina in the lead up to South Carolina for the Democrats last go around, which was essentially like, does the abs do does everyone coalesce around the opposition to the person who's leading at the time? I don't know if that'll happen. I doubt it will. I think Donald Trump's pretty set. I don't think enough people actually want Nikki Haley for her to, to win a you know, subsequent states after winning New Hampshire, but it's possible. Yeah, yeah, and look, I think that's a good comparison. Obviously, as you acknowledge, Trump is way more ahead than Biden was at that point. I mean, Bernie had been winning some races at that point. In the in this case, she has to start it now. She can't wait. And the math, as of right now, doesn't even really seem to work out. Even if she got all the rest of their support, it wouldn't be enough. She has to sort act start to actually bust into his base. And maybe she'll get an assist with some of the legal stuff along the way. I think that's the strategy. But but just to dive a little bit more into this, this New Hampshire poll. So he's up over Haley 37-33. Uh, Christie's in third at 10%. Ron DeSantis is at 5% in New Hampshire. That is so very much not where he expected to be or wanted to be like a year and a half ago as he's plotting how he's gonna take down Donald Trump. This is not going well for him at all. Um, it, like if you if you said a couple months ago that Ron DeSantis could be like sent running from the race almost on day one, I wouldn't have believed it. And I'm still not sure now, but but he is doing so poorly that he could end up being like there's always a Republican like this in these races. And, and often we don't even remember them anymore, but they're sent running. They were expected it, it was Jeb Bush or who's the dude from uh, like Minnesota or whatever. There's always one that you Palenti? expect is gonna, no, it wasn't Plenty. I forget him, he's got the big ears. Um, but anyway, uh, they, they always end up getting run out. Like they, they just don't perform. And it feels like Ron DeSantis is going to be uh, that guy in this particular case. Um, that said, uh, Ron DeSantis is uh, fighting as well. Not only do you have Donald Trump running these ads against Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis is also worried about Nikki Haley. And uh, he's getting an assist in this case by a pro DeSantis group named Fight Right, who is hitting her and also Donald Trump in a truly disgusting fashion. Tricky Nikki Haley supports the radical trans agenda, allowing gender reassignment surgeries on minors. Let's get them the, the help, the therapy, whatever they need. I think the law should stay out of it. Donald Trump is no better. You allowed biological men to compete in this universe pageant. Can a man become a woman? Um. <laughs> Ron DeSantis has stood firm. No surgeries on minors. Protect girl sports. I stood up for little girls. You didn't do it.
So that is the area that Ron DeSantis and his allies want to focus on. Let's let's stay away from anything about attacking Trump that theoretically could cause his base to turn against us. Don't talk about the the stuff with the women. Don't talk about the stuff with like his legal troubles and all that. Don't talk about the, the attempt to overthrow the government. No, let's just again just hit the trans community and imply that of all people. Donald Trump is super pro trans. He's been just way too friendly and loving and caring and compassionate towards that community. And of course, he's gonna hit Nikki Haley in the same way. There have been these articles coming out about how the war on woke that he has been one of the main generals in is no longer really driving a lot of enthusiasm on the right. But if that ship is going down, it seems like DeSantis and his allies are gonna go down with it. Brett, what do you make of the strategy? Uh, so that is an ad for Iowa, not for New Hampshire. New Hampshire is a, I don't care anything about you. Just let me ha- go hunting while smoking weed. Like that is New Hampshire. Um, it is my favorite. It is this weird libertarian, just, you know, uh, you know, it's, that's how it is. Um, for the problem that, that, uh, that DeSantis faces, is when it comes down to it, like the kind of person who is an anti woke candidate thinks that Don, that Ron DeSantis is a wuss. He is a huge wuss. And Nikki Haley is performing better among the kind of people whose sentiment would be anti woke. Um, so Nikki Haley's beating him in that because she's all in all of the interviews, she's like, let's just bomb the hell out of people. Let's mm-hmm. just go put America flags up everywhere in the world and conquer it. Like that is the anti woke alpha dog energy that just Ron DeSantis does not have. Soft pudding, Ron DeSantis cannot win those voters over. He just can't in front of them looking in their eyes. Yeah, he look, there, there is just something about him personality wise, communication strategy wise, wise, whatever that it just. You can't do it, and no amount of training. And I'm sure they're trying to train him behind the scenes, and they're 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 they've got consultants, and they're giving him tips. And it doesn't matter. He just he projects weakness, and you can camouflage the weakness. Get to to right wingers, I mean, by attacking lefties and left you know affiliated groups or whatever. You can do that. And Republicans, because they want that so bad, they'll ignore the fact that you're being a little weenie while you're doing it. But suddenly, once you're coming for other Republicans and you're trying to stand out in comparison to people like Donald Trump, that camouflage is not there anymore. And so he just reeks of weenie. That's and and he can't avoid it. He's never going to improve in that way. Maybe if Trump kicks the bucket, maybe four years from now, it won't matter as much. But I, I think that Ron DeSantis is just never going to succeed on this level. And by the way, I was talking earlier about there's always a Republican candidate that everyone expects is going to do well. Um, Scott Walker is the one that I was thinking of in in 2016. Wisconsin, Wisconsin. I think I said Minnesota. Uh, Jeb Bush is another example. I think Rick Perry perhaps could be one of those. And I just think if you were like a right winger, the idea, I don't think you're going to be won over by the strategy. And I hope that you won't because the idea that you're going to pick a guy because he is trying to get you to think about politics exclusively through the lens of how dare a family 2,500 miles away from me make a decision about the health care of their child. It cannot be allowed. I have to go everywhere across the country 
and get involved and stop that family and their doctor from making a choice. And meanwhile, I'm gonna talk constantly about parents' rights that I'm supposedly in favor of. But on some of the most fundamental questions, I have to get involved. Screw my wages, my ability to you know organize in terms of my work. Screw my ability to pay for my kids' education. Screw my ability to own a home. Screw my ability to have access to good health insurance. No, there are families thousands of miles away that are making decisions that I have been trained to not like. And that is the only lens that I'm going to see politics through. Or at the very least, that's how I'm gonna make my choice. Brett, you look like you disagree. Well, that's that's an argument for telling people not to care, but they will still care about that stuff. The legacy of the Republican Party when it comes to abortion specifically is exactly that dynamic. And it galvanized millions and millions of people to go to the polls. Oh, I have to protect a baby I'll never meet and never have anything to do with and get inside someone's uterus. Like you're that's it's it's the fact that and Ron DeSantis is appealing in that way. Donald Trump makes those arguments a lot, similar arguments to that. But when it comes down to it, the problem with Ron DeSantis is he's great on paper, but there's no chemistry when you get in the room. Like you swiped right because he had a good bio, but when you get there and you go on that date, you're like, oh my God, I will never get horny around this guy. I've got to say no. <laughs> I look, I think that. Large, I think for a lot of people, your evaluation of what I'm doing is probably accurate. I would say that it is not a direct appeal to not care. I mean, I would love for them to not care about this stuff because I don't, I think that they're fundamentally wrong about all of it. It's not, it's it's to try to get them to realize that they are being conned, but more importantly, to worry about other things. Like your family is being screwed over, substantively, economically screwed over. Your kids' futures are being wrecked. But don't worry about that. Worry about the fact that there's some 13 year old trans kid halfway across the country. Worry more about screwing over that family than protecting your own family from how your kids' futures are being doomed. Like, I would try to refocus the attention, even just being selfish and pragmatic about the effect that politics has on your own family's lives. They are being trained to not worry about that, to worry more about. How are two consenting adults having sex in, you know, in Utah? How is this kid like allowed to compete in swimming in New Hampshire? Like they're being trained to sacrifice their own family's future on the altar of wanting to screw up other families. But that probably is not how most people receive it. They'll probably largely agree with you, Brett. So yes, I do need to finesse the message a bit. Anyway, that said, I want to say on Ron DeSantis because maybe we are entering into a phase where there's been so much pressure on him and on the other Republicans that they're finally going to bring it a little bit to Donald Trump. Take a look at this. I think if you're somebody that that believes in the sanctity of life, Donald Trump has just disqualified him from your has disqualified himself from your consideration. I mean, that's just the reality. And we got to hold him accountable. Like, you know, this idea that like all these conservative radio guys and Fox News people like, you know, they will like never criticize cuz they're so concerned that someone may yell at them that's in Look, anyone running for office answers to you. You have every right to hold these people accountable and you should hold him accountable when he's taking those positions that are not consistent with the values here in Northwest Iowa. It might have looked like Ron DeSantis was looking at an audience there, but I have to assume he was looking in the mirror because that advice is best suited for him, not for the Fox News guys. I mean, sure, they go easy on Donald Trump. 
But you know that he has been attacked constantly for going easy on Donald Trump. We literally talked about it yesterday on the show when he was confronted by a supporter for why haven't you gone directly after Trump? You're going pretty soft on him. So I think it's 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 amazing that within one day, he's suddenly the guy that's trying to remind everyone else that they're going too easy on Donald Trump. And even in his example of where he's not doing that. So he differentiates himself from Donald Trump on the topic of you know trying to stop abortions from happening or whatever. He's still like, you know what? I think if you have that position, you maybe disqualified yourself. If Donald Trump was doing this, he would call Ron DeSantis a baby killer. He would hit him a thousand times harder on this. Ron DeSantis is like, well, you know, maybe if you interpret it, it's not in line with the values of Iowa. It's still put soft. And this is like one tiny area where he'll hit Donald Trump when there is a thousand different areas that he could talk about how Trump has disqualified himself. So sure, you're the one leading the way against Trump, Ron DeSantis. Brett, what do you think? I love that your impression of Ron DeSantis is Mickey Mouse, especially <laughs> given the fact that Mickey Mouse <laughs> is Ron DeSantis's <laughs> arch enemy. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you know, he's pretty bad. <laughs> okay, you um, have a better Mickey Mouse, I will say that. I've worked on many impressions, John. <laughs> you it's not healthy. Here's what's wrong. Here you I agree with everything you said about Ron DeSantis in those respects, but here's what's wrong with Ron DeSantis's calculus. He thinks he can win this argument. He thinks he can tell people in Iowa, "Hey, you know Donald Trump?" The guy who appointed the Supreme Court that struck down Roe versus Wade, that guy's pro-abortion. And that guy's never done anything for the <laughs> pro-life movement. And I, some guy who just sits there and burns books and like picks fights with animated characters. I'm the true defender. This guy who, when you see me stand next to Donald Trump, I disappear. And you know what? I don't need Donald Trump doesn't even feel he needs to stand next to me to to clean my clock so to speak. Mm -hmm. Like he's not going to win that. There's he is such the idea of Ron DeSantis is so appealing to so many people cuz he's not Donald Trump. He does think he does the like administrative work the like evil banality, the banality of evil Republican administrative work that just gets rid of millions of people's rights without them really knowing about it. And he looks like he wore a uniform once when he was a JAG. But yeah. you know, the JAG is off, my friend. You are not, you're just, you're not JAG Ron, you're JAG off Ron DeSantis, oh and no one respects you. It's spreading. Yeah, the, the sort of metaphor that I come up for, with is like, you know, someone's not happy with Luke Skywalker's growing role in the rebellion. And after witnessing him having a conversation with Darth Vader on like uh, the Cloud City, he's like, he's going easy on the Empire when the dude blew up the Death Star. I mean, I don't love using that comparison because everything that Trump did in regards to abortion is explicitly evil, I think. But yeah, he's never gonna win that argument. But but it's it's a version of what I always say about right wing media's criticism of Biden, where they are necessarily like trying to fight a battle while having tied all of their limbs behind their back because they cannot attack him on all of the things that is super justified to attack him on because they agree. Like, you can't, if the right wing media cannot attack Biden on a whole bunch of stuff having to do with his policy because they want right wingers to come in and do those same policies to not fix a number of different problems. 
Um, Ron DeSantis, in a related way, can't attack Trump for a number of different horribly misogynistic and racist and anti-Semitic things he said because he's done stuff like that and he's worried about turning off voters that love that stuff. And so it's there's like there's the campaign that you see, and it's like it's the tip of the iceberg. All of what's below the let the water is the stuff that the campaign should be, but can't be for reasons that they will never say. And so instead, he has to try, they have to like try to outwoke each other when they're both absolute cavemen on all of these topics. And so you get kind of a ridiculous campaign in the end, um, and a campaign that it's not a battlefield where there's even a hypothetical win in store for Ron DeSantis. Anyway, with that said, uh, we're gonna go to our first break. When we come back. Uh, some bad news for Donald Trump in a couple of different areas, both legal and in terms of his businesses coming up after this. Welcome back one and all, if you're just joining us now, please hit the like button, we're gonna jump into more news. If Donald Trump Jr. took $1.5 from China, not 1.5 billion, Sean, just $1.5, we'd solve the fake news media problem because their heads would explode. I cannot for the life of me. You know, imagine what the media and how the country and the left in this country would be reacting if Donald Trump and the Trump Organization and the Trump family were making tens of millions of dollars from our top geopolitical foes like China and Russia. We have a compromised president. China gives him millions of dollars. If he's given Biden millions of dollars, he's compromised. Now, that's only the stuff they found. There's a lot of other things, and there'll be some things that you never find. Why aren't they impeaching Biden for receiving tens of millions of dollars? Why isn't he under impeachment? So where do you think this is going? Of course, Donald Trump was doing the exact thing that he and other Republicans, including the media, were accusing Biden of. He was taking millions of dollars from a number of foreign governments, including our fiercest foes like China and Russia, according to Sean Hannity there. New York Times has a damning new report. Trump received literally millions of dollars from foreign governments as president, at least $7.8 million. And in the words of a very wise man, there's the ones that you find and then there's others that you don't, there might be some that you never find. They've found $7.8 million though. And so that includes foreign governments and their controlled entities going to the Trump International Hotel in Washington DC, the one in Las Vegas, Trump Tower on Fifth Avenue in New York, Trump World Tower in New York as well. You've got China, the biggest individual country gave $5.5 million, basically in working with these business entities, renting you know, like renting property and all of that. Saudi Arabia is at $615,000, which admittedly is nothing compared to what they've given to the Kushner family, but still a significant amount of money, I think. You've got millions of dollars from China's, China's embassy. You have the Industrial and Commercial Bank of China, an airline company, an airline holding company, I should say as well. And that's just like the straight business, the money that they've paid out to these companies. You also have, and you might recall earlier reporting about this, um, a report. the report talks about how the ability of Trump family businesses to secure trademarks in China improved markedly and rapidly after Trump entered office, which is just the weirdest coincidence. And then um, a number of other issues. We wanna focus though on the raw money because those are the claims that have been made against Joe Biden, against Hunter Biden, that he's being paid by them. This is not implication. This is not, you know, maybe there's a laptop somewhere in a repair store that shows that, China, that, that Trump and his family got money. They just straight up did. 
the the foreign governments, controlled entities, businesses that are owned by the government, bought a bunch of these rooms. They bought apartments and things like that. They've been doing it for years, and that money went to Trump and his family and the Trump Organization. We're not supposed to care about that. They think that that's perfectly fine. And Sean Hannity, who was in that mashup, in response to this new report, says that he doesn't buy it and he doesn't care. Nobody's shocked by that. But this is exactly what they said would merit impeachment for Joe Biden, and he was doing it all along. Brett, what's your reaction to this reporting? Yeah, and we know for a fact, we can bet that the people in the QAnon world are not gonna respond to this. They're not going to see the hypocrisy. They're not gonna have a single standard the same way they're not like, oh my God, your photos with Donald Trump and Epstein. Donald Trump is a sex trafficker. Oh my God, oh my God, they don't do that. And this yeah. is what happens when you watch too much porn. And the porn that they watch is is corruption, conspiracy theory porn. And mm-hmm. so they're always looking for the hidden deep state, like fetish porn of conspiracy theories. And they're missing out on the good old fashioned missionary porn that this is. This is people think they can get on Donald Trump's good side by giving him money. Mm-hmm. And that is that is the good old, that is the three chord rock song of corruption. That is the the meat and potatoes. Mm-hmm. You, that is a, speak. a good square meal. Of of courses or that's the balanced breakfast of corruption. And people yeah. overlook it because they're so tribal. They've already picked sides and they refuse to see their side's corruption, but they will go with a metal detector and a gold panner and sift through secret compartments to try to find the smallest thing wrong with the other side. Hundred percent. You're totally right that there's the tribalism. There's also the the desire for secret knowledge. Yeah. If it's too obvious or if the New York Times talks about it, well, that's not secret knowledge. Me reading that or talking about it doesn't automatically elevate me to a superior intellectual level. So I don't care about it. And it's what you're describing there is what I always say about their desire for sort of like corruption in the deep state, like those conspiracy theories. They're like, no, like see, like somewhere in a hotel, the Rothschilds are meeting, and that's how they control the government. Meanwhile, businesses and individuals donate billions of dollars a year. They're literally out in the open buying our politicians. Eh, that's too obvious. Let's not talk about that. Let's talk about the thing that's happening in a pizza place's basement. Anyway, what if? Like we've been talking about this this reporting, um, and it looks bad. But it doesn't necessarily imply that Donald Trump would be influenced by these payments. Again, by the way, the claims against Biden were always just that it was inherently bad. But I want to go a step beyond that. What if you had a quote where Trump acknowledged the payments and implied that it changes his view of these places? Wouldn't that be something? That I will now read. Saudi Arabia, I get along great with all them. They buy apartments from me. They spend 40 million, 50 million. Am I supposed to dislike them? I like them very much. There's like, there's just saying it out loud, and then there has to be a level beyond that. Well, no. Just like, you know what I like? I like quid, but with my quid, I'd like a side of quo. And not amateur pro quo. I like pro quo, not the loser halfway, mm-hmm. not getting paid for it quo. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, that's yeah. It's um, amazing. But he does this with his taxes, right? Like the thing about Donald Trump is he'll just find another like colloquial folksy ish, like kind of brash way of funneling what should be your perception of his actions into another like easy to identify. Oh, that makes sense kind of thing very quickly. His yeah. Jedi mind trick and in, in this in the case of his taxes is another one like he cheats on his taxes. And when you call him out the same way you would call out other people who cheat on their taxes, billionaires who try not to pay taxes, he goes, why no one wants to pay taxes. Why would I want to pay taxes? It just yeah. makes sense. It's like, but he doesn't realize that's this basically the same in this scenario is saying like I like I like corruption. It it benefits me. It's yeah. yeah, it's I'm sure it sounds terrible, but but I feel great about it because I get really good stuff. And the stuff I'm giving away is actually not even mine. I'm not giving money to Saudi Arabia. I'm giving favors and and beneficial treatment. You're you're totally right. He just does it with confidence or whatever. That's that extra level beyond just saying it out loud. Um and, and that's the one that we can see. There might be some that we never see. Yeah. Uh, by the way, can we just quickly point out, Brett did a Trump impersonation. Has that ever happened on the show before? I was just, I, but it was, I was extending your. <laughs> sure. Well, I, I don't know you. if I have one. I gotcha. Really uh, which worked. is so weird because you pulled out an amazing Mickey Mouse. But um, well, anyway, that. that's the corruption stuff. It's all obvious. It's all there. Nothing will happen. We're moving on with our lives, I guess. Let's move on to a different area of legal troubles that Trump actually does have. We want to talk about Alina Haba, technically a lawyer for Donald Trump, who went on Fox News to suggest that Brett Kavanaugh is the superhero that's going to swoop in to save Donald Trump. I would imagine this has to be a unanimous decision by the Supreme Court. They have to take it, in my view. Your thoughts? I think it'll clarify a lot of confusion amongst the states, amongst these rogue people like the woman we see in Maine who's not even a lawyer, who thinks she can find some obscure section of some statute and apply it to a former president. He has not been charged with insurrection. He has not been um, prosecuted for it. He has not been found guilty of it. Insurrection under the 14th Amendment, let's not forget, Sean, was to prevent people from a war who were pro-slave who were anti-American from taking office. That is not this. He has never been charged for a due process still, I would like to think, exists in this country. I think it should be a slam dunk in the Supreme Court. I have faith in them. You know, people like um, Kavanaugh, who the president fought for, who the president went through, held to get into place. He'll step up. Those people will step up, not because they're pro-Trump, but because they're pro-law. If it was that obvious, then I don't think you'd need to point out the relationship between Brett Kavanaugh, how he got on the court and Donald Trump. That is again, evidence that she has been well trained by Donald Trump in the school of just saying it out loud. Just say the thing, quid pro quo, we put him on there, he'll save us or whatever. I don't even think that it has to be that. Again, I have made the case that I think there is some ambiguity that the Supreme Court could hide behind, but she I guess maybe just to appeal to Donald Trump has to frame it in mob boss terms. You know, we we helped him out, so we'll help her out. Um, and I also appreciated along the way before she got to the quid pro quo is awesome stuff. She talked about how the Secretary of State of Maine used some obscure section of some statute. 
It's the 14th Amendment of the Constitution. It's not obscure. It's it's like a couple pages long. It's it's you can find it online. It's pretty easy to find actually. But also I want to give her credit, Alina Haba, because in that she slipped in a better explainer and understanding of the cause of the Civil War than Nikki Haley has yet been able to muster. Brett, what do you think? Yeah, that was amazing. And um she doesn't realize that what she said does really apply to Donald Trump's insurrection. Like if these these are the people who thought who thinks that the rules of America are bad for their own personal interests, no matter how unfair it is to human citizens of America. And so they they thought that the voting process didn't serve their own interests. And so they wanted to get rid of it. They wanted to have a different president. What's different? There's no difference really between that and Jefferson Davis in that scenario. You want they wanted Jefferson Davis instead of Abraham Lincoln, and these guys wanted Donald Trump instead of Joe Biden. And so they stormed the Capitol violently yeah. to stop America from Americaing. That is your own definition. That's your own legal framework, you idiot. Yeah, it's pretty obvious at this point. Again, I, I, I think that there are a lot of interesting political and judicial legislative questions here. It could end up being like a unanimous thing. I don't know, but but if it isn't, and especially if it's close, yeah, I think we should worry about Brett Kavanaugh. I think we should worry about Clarence Thomas being, you know, potentially corrupted by his relationship with Jenny Thomas. I I think that there's concern there. Um, these people have made it indisputable that you cannot simply accept it because somebody is a lawyer, somebody's a judge. They're impartial in any way. They seem more likely to be clowns at this point. Well, everyone anyway. knows that the lawyer's job is to advocate for their clients within the bounds of the law and make arguments. Yeah, that's what she does. I mean, if anyone's like, well, she's hot, so she must be smart. And she's doesn't she isn't saying I'm in the bag for Donald Trump. Yeah, obviously she's presenting her arguments as though they're true, not biased. That's how lawyers roll. I I don't know all that I know about lawyers. I learned from suits, and they didn't really focus on that yet. Um, but anyway, I want to move on to uh, another topic. Let's start off with a fun video right here. We have nothing, <laughs> in my opinion, we have nothing to go out there and campaign on, Chris. It's embarrassing. Right. Well, I know the Republican Party, the Republican Party in the Congress, the majority has zero accomplishments. Now, of course, Republican voters across the country are sick and tired of Republicans because they never do anything. We can't blame Joe Biden and the Democrats for why the Republican controlled House of Representatives hasn't passed single subject spending bills. One thing. I want my Republican colleagues to give me one thing, one that I can go campaign on and say we did. One. I want to thank all of those Republicans for making our case. It is increasingly difficult to avoid the fact that 2023 was a big old goose egg in terms of accomplishments for the GOP House. They didn't try to do much and of what they tried, they accomplished even little. Beyond a few high profile little fights, little slap fights about who would be their leader, they didn't really do much of anything. And you would think that going into a national election, that's gonna make it a little bit harder for them to make their case when you can pluck out little videos like that and point out that they can't even avoid how little they've accomplished. It's not often. 
that you have such like honesty from Republicans. It happens rarely, but when it does, it is quite enjoyable. And I have to wonder if those videos we showed you, and by the way, great work by Really American One on Twitter for, for doing the mashing up of those different instances, um, will end up in a campaign ad like these prior comments from Marjorie Green did. Joe Biden had the largest public investment in social infrastructure and environmental programs that is actually finishing what FDR started that LBJ expanded on. And Joe Biden is attempting to complete programs to address education, medical care, urban problems, rural poverty, transportation, Medicare, Medicaid, labor unions, and he still is working on it. That one was fun. Uh, by the way, like obviously she initially intended those comments to be damning for Biden. So she like tried to put like stank on like medical care. But like that's it's good to fund medical care, you doink. Brett, what do you think? Yeah, her argument is that people don't like Medicare, people don't like Social Security, essentially, if she's invoking previous presidents who made those things possible. People like that stuff. They do like to think to themselves, "Oh, I don't want my taxes to go up. Oh, I don't want the government involved in my day-to-day life. But they don't even realize that like they are so overconfident and then they're they're in their own bubble that they don't realize that the things they think are evil when they just say them those are things that most people in America really really like and i yeah i know i know people who would be like oh well come on i don't think we should be in education i don't think we, there's not that many of them yeah yeah, and and it's one of the bubbles I think that she and some other Republicans are in is that the the people who are having the conversations about policy with them are are the wealthy who don't need that social spending in these programs, and that is a very narrow swath of the American public. Most people, yeah. including most Republicans, want you to spend money on infrastructure and on expanding access to medical care and on all of that stuff. So she ends up looking ridiculous. Um, but you mash up the stuff that she said previously about Biden, and then. Just how indisputable it is that they they had power. They could have tried to pass stuff and maybe it would have been shot down by Senate Democrats, but they didn't even really try. We always say to the Democrats, try to do things. And if it gets stopped by the Republicans, you could at least go to the voters and say, here is what we fought for. They're not even fighting, they're just fighting with each other. Anyway, with that said, we do have to take our second break of the hour, but when we come back, uh, Marjorie is going to pop up once more because an event of hers got canceled, I think, for pretty good cause. We'll have that for you after this. More news to get to everyone. Buckle up as we close out this hour with some fun stuff. Marjorie Taylor Greene's plan to commemorate the third anniversary of January 6th with an event in a major roadblock when the Florida venue that was going to host it canceled it when it became clear that she and the Republican organization sponsoring it had been utterly lying about what the event was actually supposed to be about. So this was Westgate Resorts. It was pitched to them as a small book signing event. You go there, you get your book signed by Marjorie Green. It's a fun event. It's sort of surreal having her sign a book that she didn't write to hand to you that you're not gonna read. But that's what it was pitched as. That's not what the event was gonna be though. Here is the invite for the event. Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene book signing event. And you notice immediately there that it's on Saturday, January 6th, relatively innocent. But then scroll down a little bit and you've got this about the tickets and the details. 
It says general admission will receive a book and be able to hear MTG speak or try. VIPs will get their pictures with MTG and receive preferred seating. Executive VIPs will be invited to a special private briefing on January 6th in DC. What in the hell does that mean? You donate enough, you get a private briefing from Marjorie Greene on the attempted overthrow of our government. What the hell is she saying? And again, her book is just about her and her life and her career. They're choosing to make it all about January 6th. And so if you were Westgate Resorts, I think you probably would not want to be affiliated with something that is going to be, you know what it's going to be. Behind the scenes, she's going to be apologizing for the attempted overthrow while simultaneously saying those patriots who tried to overthrow the government are also somehow Antifa. And I'll recall, I'll remind you all that she was the one that was talking about if she had been in charge, there would have been guns and it would have been successful. So no, if I was some hotel with a conference room, I wouldn't want her ruining my reputation. Brett, what do you think? Did they make the right choice? I think it's so funny. Like I want a list of all the like banquets that the hotels are okay with. I just want to know where the line is. <laughs> they're like, yeah, you can sign a book, I don't care. And then they're like, oh my God, I didn't even pay attention to the date. Oh, it's going to be January 6th. Oh my God, this private briefing. All right, we draw the line here. We're not going to cancel you for that, but we will prevent you from. And I love the idea of this private briefing. That is my definition of hell, is Marjorie <laughs> Taylor Greene briefing me on something. It sounds horrifying. Um, that said, I do want to experience it. Yeah, I think I, people would pay more to just watch her work out. Do that weird like flippy thing she does on the uh-huh. chin like, up bar. Bet on how many she can do before she dislocates a shoulder or something. Sure. Um look, I I seek I look, I kind of yes, I want to know what the hell is going to go on that private briefing. Can we get the undercurrent up in there to find out if she cuz I'm assuming <laughs> she'll have the event somewhere else. Uh but yeah, like if you're if you have a pri- if you have a, a conference hall or whatever and someone schedules an event for January 6th, I would say for the next 10 to 15 years, due diligence on that because maybe they're not awesome people. Um, and I will also say if I can, first of all, we're gonna close the, the loop on this and then I have another comment I wanna make. So she was asked about the event being canceled by NBC News. She was doing an event for Trump and she said, I really don't understand the point of your question. It doesn't make any sense. Aren't we talking about President Trump? Aren't we talking about Iowa? And then she called the question stupid. What do you mean you don't understand the point? You had an event planned and they canceled it. Do you have any comment? It's not complex. I feel like you could answer that. But finally, I would say to tie it back to what I said about her book, the book that she wrote, there has been a lot of concern about the rise of chat GPT and other generative AI models. And some people are worried that students will use that to cheat. And there are even people saying, we can't have essays being submitted anymore because you'll never know if they cheated. So instead, we need to have them write it in front of the teacher so we can confirm that it was actually them. I say, forget about the students. From now on, political books have to be written by the person in front of some sort of third party arbitrator or something. Because otherwise, why would we assume that Marjorie Green took time off from her busy schedule of not doing anything for her constituents, working out a ton 
and I don't know, like participating in insurrections to write an entire book. Who really thinks that she wrote that? Brett, is that fair? There's no way that she wrote any of the way these things typically work is they have a meeting with her and then they go flush it out. They kind of do a, a framework. They do research and compile stuff they've said already. Yeah. Um, and then just have a ghostwriter put the final touches on it. But I love it. I want to know what else. I'm trying to find out what else is at the Westgate Convention Center in Kissimmee, St. Cloud, Florida. Um, right now, I've only got the Orlando one, but I really want to know like, Cops National Conference <laughs> of Law Enforcement. Coors has something. Girls Junior National Volleyball. It's all these like super happy go lucky things. And then it's like, you want to hear about January 6th for real? A pri- I mean, and like, what would be in that private briefing? Honestly, like old school Brett would put together a video <laughs> of like, a, like, a, like secret cam footage of what the hell she would say. Because we know what she says about January 6th when she knows people are filming her. Can you imagine what she says when she thinks that it's not on the record? Anyway, so weird. With that said, um, we're going to get arguably even wilder to close out this hour, starting with this. The mainstream media immediately, you know, the mediates the world, uh, the, the media matters. It's all of a sudden, you know, we're conspiracy theory guys, we're kooks. Um, that we're talking about, uh, you know, keeping people away from this tremendous vaccine that saves so many lives. A few moments later. Now, I'm not saying, frankly, I think it probably does have some integration at some levels with the human genome because these vaccines are honestly, they're, they're the antichrist of all products. So I think it probably does, but I, I'm not saying it does. I'm saying that they themselves have said you should test for it and it hasn't happened. And they've provided no proof that it's happened, and that's that's so wrong. You know, it's just complete disrespect to the human genome and the importance of protecting it and preserving it. And that is our connection to God. You know, science stuff, the Antichrist product, and we need to preserve the relationship between our genetic material and the Creator of the universe. Look, that's a conversation on Steve Bann's podcast. And that sort of conversation would bother me as a person who cares about COVID and doesn't want more people to die as we race into this massive wave of COVID that we're in, regardless of who the guest is. But do you know who that guest is? That is Dr. Joseph Ladapo, the Surgeon General of Florida, talking about the Antichrist and the relationship between vaccines and God. Now, look, he has said a lot of crazy stuff for a really long time. He seems to think that his job is to spread conspiracy theories about the vaccine that are immediately disproven and then move on to other absolute nonsense. But I will remind you all that there is like there are consequences to this. As of right now, Florida has experienced 87,141 deaths from COVID. And they will almost certainly experience more thanks to this new wave, in particular, thanks to the JN1 variant, which has now become dominant. And the chief guardian of their health in the state believes that the most important consideration is the religious sanctity of your genetic material. Brett, what do you think? Putting the words religious sanctity that close to genetic material has severe like come here altar boy vibes and I don't like that. Um, yeah, God. No, I don't like what you just please, said either. Please do not anoint me with that sacred fluid, your honor, uh. whatever you call priests. Anyways, 
You do not call priests your honor. Your honor? No, you don't say that. Oh, it's something. Oh, you're right. It's something. It's something less weird, like father. Your guess was that's so like saying, oh, baby, during intercourse. It's like, I feel like we need other words. Let's say something else. Oh, daddy. That's what it's like. It's like, this is, sure. oh, romantic partner. Oh, sweetheart, mm-hmm. which itself is disgusting um, in other ways if you have diabetes. Uh, for this, I, my arc of watching this guy's answer was like, maybe he's just using the word antichrist, you know, to, to, and so people understand how bad it is because I'll be like, oh my God, oh, the, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene's the Antichrist. Like, I'll just say that. But then at the end, when he buttons it up with like, and the sanctity of our religious or our, our genetic material as it pertains to God, it's like, oh no, he was being literal about this being an affront to Jesus. Yeah. And for all the right wings talk about how they put, they politicize things. This guy has politicized the attorney general's office of an entire state full of people who are frequently elderly. It's a very popular retirement yeah. destination. And I think that itself is an affront to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as well as Zeus and Poseidon. Yeah. And I think that all of the Your Honors should step up and speak out against this. By the way, I think I think you meant the Surgeon General, but but yes. Uh, oh, yeah. Surgeon it, General. It's utterly yeah. ridiculous. Thank you. Um, and although there is no need to try to engage with the substance of what he had been talking about with Steve Bannon, um, the substance, such as it is, is the idea that the vaccines contain billions of floating DNA fragments. And his point, is that the CDC doesn't test for this thing and he thinks that's insane. And think about the, to, to Brett, you like to talk about a bag of tricks. Here's a fun trick. You make up a thing and then say that it's crazy that you don't test for the thing that I just made up. Yeah. Like they do not test for unicorn droppings in mRNA vaccines. Did you know that? They don't at all. It's utterly ridiculous. Um, but we shouldn't have to make the case. I think that he discredited himself perfectly fine on his own. Anyway, that's it for the first hour. Thank you, everyone who's listened to the podcast. For the rest of you, we'll be back after this. 